it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. All right. It's QFTA. My name's Tim McKernan. Yeah. Yeah. Tuesday, September 19th, 2023. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My name is Tim McKernan. That's Jackson Burkett. Welcome in. Jackson, my plan is this. We gave him two and a half hours last week. We sure did. Thanks to uh, Ryan Kelly, James Carlton, uh, Seth Goldcamp, Design Air Heating and Cooling, Munganass, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota, Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson, Peter Munganass, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, EvergreenSTL.com. Thank you to them all for making it possible. You want to get on ball strike today, though, don't you? I'd like to. Yeah, it's fine. Don't apologize. I'd like to. I mean, this time next month, uh, days don't, like don't, these. Don't, don't do it to me. This time in three months. This time in six months. Yeah. That's our reality. It's, it's, oh, winter is coming. So, therefore, because of that, half-hour cap is on. It's 11-11 right now. Make a wish. You know what I wish for? Don't say or I'll ruin it. I know. Well, it can happen anyway. Oh, I uh, know, I know, now I know exactly what you wish for. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's my birthday in three days. That's right. No, it's my birthday in like a week. Yeah. And every year, mm-hmm. <laughs> so help me, every year I do, and now it's like, I don't, I mean, I'm, it's not even on like the, t- it's like, I think it's on a Wednesday. And uh, I mean, what are we going to do? Go to the Shargle house? That's a good start. Telenius? See what's doing. And then hit Telenius on Hampton. I believe that's been shut down for a while. Still. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I want. So if uh, if you're a female listening to this podcast and want to have a threesome with me and my wife, email me at TMCKURNNNSASCA. First 10 who email in. <laughs> Get entered into a sweepstakes. Correct. <laughs> Once we put the kids to bed. It's going to be hot. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a birthday for... The ages. I would say. Thank you. Uh, all right. So I, I said, let's do a quick one. Yeah. And we had, but then I opened up my email and I go, oh boy, we got some good ones in here. All right. Well, I can, you know. God. I mean, I, I didn't remember that we had some, and they're kind of diverse. One of them's titled Mizzou Basketball. Now we're talking. That's my least, that's the one that I'm least apt to go to. Shit. I will let you, Sadie Hawkins, this bitch. Let's see what I got. One, two, three, four, five that I think are worthy. I'm picking a number? Uh, yes. All right. And you know I will honor it. I'll show you. No, in, no. In, I, in order. You don't even have to. I don't. I, I believe you. Okay. 
I think two is such a good number on a quarterback. I think quarterbacks, more quarterbacks were number two. This is a hell of an email. Pack a lunch, though. Okay. I'm sitting in. I'm settled. Hey, Tim. Sitting here reflecting on yesterday's game. This was sent on Sunday following Missouri K-State. Good. And have a few thoughts to sort through in the aftermath. To start, I know it was beaten to death in the lead-up to this game, but I think it's important to put into context how massive this game was for the Missouri football program. It's been mentioned by you countless times, but this program's had a knack of killing any optimism or momentum dead in its tracks and usually before hashtag fall time is here. Mizzou hasn't exited uh, September without a loss since 2013. Almost every single year has seen Mizzou fans with their hopes for a truly special season dash before the season kicks into full swing. And these included some brutal losses, too. Not just a product of really bad luck scheduling against good, good, great teams. Here are their September losses since 2013. Jackson, let's go down memory lane. Oh, God. 2022. Who did they lose to in September? Go. Auburn? And? Florida? No, I'm sorry. Florida was early October. Um, Kansas State. That's right, K-State. 2021, who'd they lose to? Um, I can't remember. Kentucky and Boston College. Oh, BC. God, that was brutal. 2020 was a COVID season. It's not recognized. Uh, 2019. I remember this. Laramie. Yes. Wyoming. Uh, Missouri started the season ranked 26th, by the way. 2018. This is one of the only games that kind of gets Doug going. That's your hint. It was a night game. Night game. It wasn't Kentucky. I know that was the same year, but it I feel was. Like it Gangster was Pete was in my basement for that one. It was the worst call. I've, oh, my God. Georgia. Georgia. Wow. Yeah. I thought it was, so it wasn't Kentucky in 2018? It wasn't. Oh, okay. That still happened. Kentucky, I think but, it was November. Yeah, that was late. Uh, the only season you can argue Mizzou entered October with something meaningful to play for, although they lost their first two games in October to kill any optimism. 2017, South Carolina, Purdue, and Auburn. That was, it's a turnaround year. Yeah. 2016, West Virginia and Georgia. 2015, Kentucky, back before Stoops got things rolling. And 2014, even a year they went to the SEC championship game, Indiana. Yeah. Uh, I said this is the only year when Mizzou didn't let an early season loss derail their season. It's also the demarcation line between Mizzou being a truly respected national program and the also-ran they have become. As things stand today, Mizzou has two games which they will be favored in, standing in the way of a 5-0 and start and entering October with everything still on the table. It's been a decade since we've been able to seriously entertain that thought. It can't be stated enough how big this is for the program. A few starts, a few stats to drive home how big this win was before transitioning into what this means for the program and the fan base. This is the first time Mizzou started 3-0 since 2018 and only the second time since Gary Pinkle retired. This is the first time Missouri has beaten a ranked non-conference opponent in the regular season since 2008. That was Illinois, and the first time they did so as an unranked opponent since 1990, Arizona State. This is Eli Drinkwitz's first win against a top-15 opponent, only his third overall against a ranked opponent, LSU in 2020. They were ranked 17th at the time before they fell apart in South Carolina in 2022. They were ranked 25th. Those were the other two. Now, I want to break up what this means for the season into three sections. I told you pack a lunch. I like it, though. But I did read this email when it was sent to me on Sunday, and I thought, it was a very good email. All right. Mizzou were the darlings of the college football world Saturday. 
in what was a light schedule nationally. Watching games throughout Saturday afternoon and evening, the Mevis kick highlight was rolling throughout the day. Maybe more importantly, it was talked about both in the studio and during broadcast by Fowler and Herb Street in particular, how big that Mizzou win was for the SEC. That will likely be the SEC's only win over a ranked Power 5 non-conference opponent in the regular season, unless Florida beats Florida State at the end of the year. And that brings me to the big picture here. The SEC is wide open. In fact, it might be the most wide open it's been since 2013. And we all know how that turned out for Mizzou. Let's run through Mizzou's opponents in league. Vanderbilt just lost to the Fighting Barry Odoms. Needs to be a win. LSU looks similar to last year. Capable of great or mediocre outputs from week to week. What LSU shows up in Columbia on October 7th. Kentucky, they've been dicking around with Maxion the first three weeks. South Carolina, Mizzou has beaten them four straight seasons. Do we see that changing in Columbia with their porous offensive line? Georgia, still likely the class of the league, although that offense has me raising my eyebrows a bit. Tennessee, the defense can't tackle and the offense looks mediocre without the hooker to Hyatt cheat code to lean on. Florida, talented defense, a stout running attack, but can they beat a quality opponent outside of the swamp in the late summer humidity? Will they be interested in a four-quarter battle with Mizzou in a cold for field in November? And Arkansas just got pushed around on both lines of scrimmage by BYU, are staring 2-5 and five directly in the face. Does Pittman even coach this game? The Stars appear to be aligning for a special run here. I want to be clear, I'm not picking Mizzou to be the East representative in Atlanta, but is there any game on that schedule outside of Georgia that you feel Mizzou doesn't have at worst a puncher's chance in? With yesterday's win, this again was sent on Sunday, this thing could snowball like they did in 2013. Remember, there were zero expectations for that team on a national level. It wasn't until they beat Georgia, go 6-0, that the national media started to recognize that team was a threat. Take care of business the next two weeks, and they have the opportunity for their statement win against LSU to do the same thing that the 2013 team did. There's more. Wow. That was just on the program. Okay. This is on the coaching staff. Was there anyone on the planet happier to see that kick go through than Eli Drakewitz? It's not going to get the attention it deserves because they won the game, but that was coaching malpractice at its highest levels to close out the game Saturday. The delay of game is getting all the attention, but the only reason that happened was because Drinkwitz burned his final timeout for no reason earlier in the drive. If you remember, Mizzou had just passed for first down of their own 44 with 35 seconds left. With the new rules, the clock still stops after first down inside of two minutes. All Mizzou has to do is get to the line and either clock it or quickly run a play. But what does Drinkwitz do? He calls his final timeout. Why? Did he forget the rules? Did he panic? Who knows? What it did do was exacerbate the end of the game shenanigans. As an aside, how do college coaching staffs with all their money and resources not employ a game day manager to be in the coach's ear at all times? This isn't just a Drinkwitz problem. There are tight holes all throughout the country on the sidelines in late-game situations. It boggles the mind how often coaches bungle end-of-game scenarios. Can you imagine the narrative today if Mizzou goes on to lose that game in overtime? We are talking about a near-certain coaching surge in late November. Instead, we are talking about Mizzou setting themselves up for a special season. Those are the margins. They are razor-thin and often come down to a handful of plays throughout the lifespan of a coach. And Drinkwitz got very lucky to find himself on the right side this time. This win buys him time. It buys him something tangible to sell the recruits. What happens as a result of that win? Mizzou gets a commitment from a four-star defensive end and the number one player for the 2025 class out of the state of Kansas. There is no chance that happens if Mizzou loses in devastating fashion. And finally, the fan base. 
I didn't realize just how tortured and downtrodden this fan base was until I saw the reactions of people after the ball sailed through the uprights. I turned around to give my friends high fives and hugs, and when I turned back to the field, it was already full of people. When people talk about field rushes, that defines it. It was not half-assed like in 2013 and 2014 after winning the East. People were truly caught up in the moment and rushed the field in pure euphoria. I am not making it up when I say I witnessed grown men crying in the stands for a September win against a non-conference opponent. This fan base needed that in the worst way. The amount of catharsis that kick brought to that stadium was unbelievable. Think about this. Just seconds earlier, the entire stadium was booing the coaching staff and thinking, here we go again. I can't be the only one who was thinking this was going to end up in the pantheon of crushing defeats along the lines of the fifth down, the kick six, or the Shawshank redemption. And then to see that kick sail through the uprights in the north end zone, no less. Unbelievable. Just pure chaos and Faroe and a top-five memory at that stadium for me. What's the result? Dave Matter reported 1,000 tickets were sold to the game next week in the Dome in the hours after the win. Fro Field will assuredly be sold out when LSU comes to town in a few weeks. If Mizzou and LSU win out leading up to that game, that has to be on the short list for game day. The main competition to be the Red River Shootout, but that seems like they're always at that game. Mizzou showed out in 2010 with the largest game day crowd ever, and that show does like to reward programs when they are having special seasons. With no postseason baseball in the cards for the state of Missouri, the program has the chance to capture the attention of the casual fan, especially on this side of the state. You often talk about how Mizzou can attract down alumni fans in the St. Louis area. This is how. Win games early on to set up games that matter late in the season. I could not agree more with that. That's my brief aside. This is the type of game and season that can cultivate fans for life. To put it in perspective, I didn't grow up a Mizzou fan at all. My dad went to Ohio State, and I grew up a Buckeye fan. That was until I watched the 2007 Tigers. I was captivated by that offense and followed them that entire ride. I went with a friend to a game the next season in 2008 and fell in love with the campus. This all played a role in me enrolling at Mizzou in 2009. Today, I'm a Mizzou season ticket holder and can't tell you the last time I sat down to watch a Buckeye game. Winning matters. It just does. I'm so happy for the fan base that at the very worst, they got to let all those bad memories of the past decade go for one week. To wrap this up, I want to be clear. Mizzou still has two games left in September. If Mizzou loses to Memphis or Vanderbilt, all this means nothing. It just becomes another year where Mizzou enters October with a demoralized fan base and a likely trip to Shreveport or Birmingham is the only thing to look forward to. But as things stand today, this appears to be a turning point for the program. It all could have gone south in a hurry Saturday. Instead, everything is still on the table for this program and this fan base, and there's excitement where this ride is going to take us. Please feel free to use my name. That's from Colin Jackson. Do you say Gambaro or Gambaro? I'll say Gambaro. Nice. There it is. Wow. It's a lot there. A lot of meat to chew on. And I'm sure those who wanted to hear stories of eroticism who are not Missouri fans have to be like, you got to be fucking kidding me with this. Yeah. But for Missouri fans, and maybe casual fans who are just QFTA fans, he really did, he's, he kind of... He laid it out. kind of stole my campaign speech. <laughs> but he's coming at it. I didn't, I mean, here's a guy who went to, I don't know if he's from Ohio or just he's an Ohio State fan because his dad went there. I don't know what the deal is with that, but he is a younger guy since he... Sounds like he graduated like in 12 or 13. Um, who can speak to what... That's the th- I, That's why my overall premise on Missouri football is, a, is, a, is an opening statement is I have a tough time, and I think this might be kind of my issue with St. Louis now, um, and perhaps why actually Mark Monavani and I have developed now what is a business relationship, I would say friendship, but now he is uh, our chairman for Sound Story. 
and one of the things that Manavani has said to me, uh, and I think he said when he was a guest on the podcast, when I didn't know him, but he was a guest, and this is back in like 2017, I think. He says, oftentimes, something that bothers him about St. Louis is we settle. And some people, not even talking about, you know, St. Louis as a whole, but some people have a really big opportunity to do something that could be huge, as in global, potentially, Mm -hmm. but certainly nationwide. Settle because you can be comfortable in St. Louis and because your quote-unquote competition in St. Louis is so provincial and either wealth in St. Louis, oftentimes, these are my own words now, is inherited in a major way. I bet you saw that, but probably don't want to say that because it might be awkward for you. Thank <laughs> Jackson you. just gave me a little gun uh, to confirm. Um, or it can just be new money like, holy shit, and now I'm going to spend like I, you know, right. and, it, and then you can blow through it very quickly. So uh, the term that Mark oftentimes uses is a wealth event. And I love that for a wealth event. Mm-hmm. And if it's, it's what you want, and if it's, you're in a position to do it, and so many things have to align for you to be in a position to do it, pursue it. Don't pursue being comfortable in St. Louis. Pursue greatness. Because if you were able to get to one level, why can't you be one of the people or your business to get to you know, a worldwide level? If, you know, as opposed to going, okay, well, it'll be fun to go down to, you know, wherever and, you know, see what you can do. And that's how he's programmed. And I'm programmed that way as well. It doesn't lead to a lot of satisfaction. I would rather be, I I say, I would rather be comfortable as opposed to always seeking. Obsessive is a great way to describe it. It's like my golf thing. Well, I mean, I got to become scratch. Why? I have no answer to the question, but I just have to do that for my own self. Nobody fucking cares outside of me. And I don't know if I'll ever do it. And until then, I'll be like, well, I got to do it. And then when I get there, I have no idea what the fuck I'm going to do. So how does this tie into Missouri? Oftentimes, and I feel like it's Missouri fans actually more so than non-Missouri fans. They're like, well, I mean, we're Missouri. I mean, an eight-win season. Who's going to complain? But why not Missouri? And I just don't understand that. How many programs in the country in college football in the last 20 years, so that way I'm not arbitrarily saying since 2007, the last 20 years, or since 2000, for fuck's sake, have been a win away from playing for the national championship. I would tell you it's less than 20. Yeah. Because so much of it over the last decade has been Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. Yeah. And then when you go back to 2000, you're going to be including LSU, USC. Texas. Texas. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. You might have to, but Missouri is one of them. Oh, yeah. And Notre Dame is one of them. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame rarely hasn't actually gotten past that that quarter or the semifinal. Missouri was there in 2007, and they were there in 2013. The 2007 team, I think, was actually better. The 2013 was closer. With agree on both. Uh, and so it becomes this thing. And, and so in St. Louis, this conversation isn't necessarily tended to like when we talk about the Blues or the Cardinals or back in the day, the Rams. And the reason is, as I've kind of discovered, because I was doing, you know, obviously I was doing TMA in 2007. And I remember thinking then, God, there isn't really a lot of excitement for this. Mm-hmm. And not only is there not a lot of, and I'm talking about November of 2007. I mean, you're nine. Oh yeah, I was locked in. There was also some people, there were also some people who were upset that we would talk about it. Oh, yeah. Really? Or openly polling against Missouri who weren't necessarily Illinois fans or Kansas fans. Yeah. And I 
guess the, the, that that's the part that I, I think I would have been a Missouri. Well, I was a Missouri fan before I went to school there. Uh-huh. Now, if I would have went to Indiana, I think I'd be an Indiana fan and a Missouri fan. I can certainly understand how Missouri fans really can irritate non-Missouri fans. And that's coming from a Missouri fan. At the same time, I can certainly understand how Cardinal fans can really irritate non-Cardinal fans. Sure. Um, but I think every fan base has those. I think with for Missouri, it's irritating to non-Missouri fans because the non-Missouri fans go, you guys think you're a top-tier program, but you've never done shit and yet every year you run around talking about how you're going to do something, and then by the time October rolls around, you're a joke. And then you bitch, and you bitch, and you bitch, and you bitch, and you think that Kirby Smart could come to Columbia. I mean, nobody's ever said that, but an exaggeration. Sure. Or Eli Drinkwitz is going to be hired for the Auburn job. And so you got to lock him up, and I actually did read that one. So with, with that all said, I think that that is, I think that is the overarching thing that makes this situation in St. Louis with the university that's an SEC school 125 miles down the road or less, depending on where you live, if you're on this side of the river in Missouri, so different from other schools in the SEC. If you are in Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, for the most part, Georgia, depending on if you're Clemson or South Carolina in South Carolina, and depending on where you are in Florida, you are either a, a Gator, Seminole, Most or Hurricane. Most of you are fans. Uh, Most of okay. Fans. Uh, so that's different here. I don't really know why. I just know that it is, which is why, as big of a Missouri fan as I am, I treat it not to the same level as I treat golf because my two interests at this moment, more so than anything, considering the Cardinals state of things, the Blues aren't playing, for my own hobby is golf without question. I never talk about um, like you know, like a serious breakdown of golf. I don't even know I'll talk about the Ryder Cup unless something significant happens because I just know that for most people it's not something that's interesting. I'm interested, but I'm not doing a show for myself. Uh, and uh, Missouri football... Like, Missouri fans will complain that it doesn't get much attention in St. Louis. But I'm just telling you, as a Missouri fan, relative to the Cardinals and the Blues, Missouri falls way down. And I wish that weren't the case. Listen, it would be a hell of a lot more enjoyable for me to do a show about the thing that I'm interested in. I don't necessarily have an explanation for it outside of this one simple word. Win. That, I think, would then translate to interest for the casual fan. Gabe and I, he's on every Monday on TMA and every Friday, Gabe DeArmond of Power Mizzou, uh, presented by one of our sponsors here on this podcast, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. And he said he does not believe that if Missouri would market in St. Louis, that suddenly people who weren't, you know, lost an NFL team would become Mizzou fans. I disagree with that. I just disagree. I love Gabe. This isn't like, this is my way to take a shot at Gabe. I just disagree with it. Um, if you miss football and you have an exciting product, you market that. Yeah. Now, the issue has been since 2014, I guess. I mean, when's the last time they really had an exciting product? Gabe and I were texting about it, and I said, this is the best uh, win 
since 2013 against A&M and the most excited Fro Field's been since 2014 against Arkansas. Yeah. Both of those were SEC East clinchers for the record. The hype before 2019 was real when they got Kelly Bryant and then that was but immediately squashed. That was so that was so Mizzou centric. You know what I mean? Like that you had to be you had to be a real Missouri. You think like the average no. guy listing a 101 texting in about, you know, whatever. Uh, was was excited about Kelly Bryant? Uh, you're t- like, as in terms of like casual the, fan yes. hype? Yeah, then no, nothing yeah, compares so to I'm 14. Saying. They were paying attention in 13 and 14. Yeah, but even 14, as Colin said, that was kind of, for me too. That was kind of blown. You're going, oh my god, you lost to Indiana? Holy shit! That was brutal. Uh, so so you win, it takes care of it, and then it generates interest. But it's beyond just winning, and that's what he makes reference to that I really like. The LSU game is a national brand. It's a national brand head coach, a guy who was at Notre Dame. Before that, he was at Cincinnati. Kind of put the Bearcats on the map before um, Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle did it here and got him to the Final Four a couple years ago um, with Brian Kelly. And it could be, God, I hope it is a non-11 o'clock game that also sets up the possibility of two weeks later. South Carolina for homecoming being a non-11 o'clock game, although that's certainly in play. And I know a lot of Missouri fans hate when I go on these 11 o'clock games because the whole thing is, well, if you're a true son or if you're a real fan, you go no matter what. And that's great to say. And 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 it'll sound good if you're talking to other true sons. But the way you build a program is by bringing in the casual fans and ideally bringing in people who weren't even fans. Right. Eventually, over time. And anybody who went to Oklahoma, Missouri at 7 o'clock in 2010 remembers it 13 years later. Mm-hmm. The problem for Missouri is I think you have to go back to 2018 for the last time they played Georgia at night. Uh, well, they got them last year, I should say that. But yeah, but, but yeah. at that time, the season was already yeah, was, in disarray because, yeah. as referenced earlier, they already lost to K-State and Auburn, and they weren't playing for much. Um, it is imperative that your games become events on campus, which is why I'm not that big. I don't really care about the thing in St. Louis, it being a long-term thing. I realize, as we discussed on Balloon Party earlier, that Memphis certainly is less desirable than when they played Illinois, for example. But uh, that is what gets people to become... I remember just four years ago, I guess, I went to Notre Dame play in New Mexico uh, with my family for my dad's birthday, and... You know, it's, it's, I think it was a September, maybe October. And, you know, Notre Dame's certainly a different atmosphere. Um, but I'm going, God, this is, the, this is the greatest thing when you're tailgating at a college football. It's the, it's the great. I do it all over the country, whether the I cared best. about a team playing or not. And Missouri just doesn't get that because people are like, well, they suck. And I don't want to drive a whole day. And, God, if they're playing at 11 o'clock, how do I tailgate? Right. If I'm going to leave St. Louis at what, I guess? 6 a.m.? 6 or 7? Yeah, I'll get there by 8 or 9. And then I'm, then I'm now, I'm, it's just not the way the world really works. It needs to become an event where you make it, you go, okay, I know our kids got games, but I'm not going to miss the LSU game. Like, that's my mindset. Right. And then I'm not going to miss the South Carolina game. And then a bye week, and then Georgia. I'm not going to miss the Tennessee game. I'm not going to miss the Florida game. Maybe I'll travel to Arkansas for the since it's a holiday weekend, that Friday thing, and I'll go down to Fayetteville uh, for that game. It, that's that's the SEC mindset. That's how Missouri doesn't fit in mm-hmm. with the SEC. That's how the St. Louis side, anyway, doesn't fit in. 
But what he says that I love, Jackson, is the possibility of greatness. Now, as you start to talk about it, even though, I mean, shit, it, 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 and I'm not saying we're all the people were making fun of my over on the, you know, at all. It's the first time, actually, what is it, today, Tuesday? It didn't even cross my mind, even though I do have money on it. I did not put $10,000 with you at Circa uh, on it. Um, this is what I hope for. And the hope was based on, A, the schedule being friendly in September, but K-State was the critical game, and B, that you had a bunch of returning seniors, something we've talked about when it comes to gambling on college football. And more often than not, it really does have an impact uh, for a team's success to have returning starters. But what you just want is the hope. And so often it's extinguished. Do I deep down, deep down? I mean, I don't even know what the odds are in Missouri. What do you think the odds What the fuck? Why don't we check, take a look? What would you say the odds? I'm going to go to a neighborhood wagering site. The odds for Missouri to win the college football playoff. And oh, then we'll geez. also do the odds to win the SEC. Okay. I mean, whenever it's like these huge long shots, I get so lost. I mean, what's max? Plus 10,000? So no. can be higher than that. Yeah. I'll say plus 10,000. All right. College football futures. Toronto Argonauts. Wrong click. <laughs> college football. Do they not have futures? I will fight somebody. Yeah. This is a... Uh, Missouri minus seven. I just dropped by there over under 53 uh, at the Dome. Smelling the under. Ha- how do we not have college football? Like, why wouldn't there be college football futures? Let me see if I can pull some up real quick. Let me see if I can. Makes me want to fight somebody. Game lines? There's got to be futures. Here I go. I found it, Jackson. Sweet. Oh, it's not, a, it's not available right now. Let's see if you can find it. Yeah, I'm taking a look. Anyway, point being, I don't know. What do I think it is right now for Missouri to win the SEC? Keep in mind, they haven't won an SEC game yet. Uh, and to win the national championship, I mean, it's they got to be astronomical. And the SEC, you kind of have more information now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, right. It's, it's more way more realistic. College football, national championship, it's still astronomical. It might just be different parties than you would have accept, expected. I like got the Okay, what do we have? To win the whole damn thing, mm-hmm. plus 25,000. I would have guessed 50,000. All right. To win the Southeastern Conference. Well, I want to throw something out there. Okay. I'll say plus 6,000. Plus 7,000. Right. Kentucky is plus 6,000. Okay. Kentucky's got the Gators this weekend. LSU is plus 340. Hmm. Something in right there. Unless, I mean, unless it's just a a write-off game. But, you know. It looks bad against Forest State. I know. They looked, like, really bad. Yeah. They got dominated. I know. But then last week in Starkville you know, had a near miss against Boston College. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, in the transition, the the transient theory, transitional theory, whatever what I'm trying to say here. Transitive property. Thank you. God, I knew that neither one of those was right. Thank you. Transitive property does not work in college football. Number one, different motivations and emotions. Number two, different locations. Yeah. Number three, injuries, and they change substantially. Um, so with that all said, the point is you can hope. I mean, when I started talking about it in mid-October in 2007, I wrote a column about it. I said, I got to tell you, Missouri lost their first game in Norman to Oklahoma. And they and it wasn't super close, but the, the game was closer than the final score indicated. And then I looked at the schedule, and then I saw Kansas was out there undefeated, and I knew they were playing KU at Arrowhead. And I remember saying, well, and we were on 1380 back then, I know this is weird for Missouri fans, but you want Kansas to be undefeated. And Kansas' schedule, it was a different kind of Big 12 schedule than they normally had. 
you want KU to be undefeated because if Missouri can win out and beat an undefeated Kansas, it's going to look like this great win. Even if Kansas is not that good, there's a chance Kansas can be undefeated. And then who knows what the hell the situation could be. Mm-hmm. And it actually played out that way. And I was, even Missouri fans were like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah. But that's where I did coin Armageddon Arrowhead. I don't really give a shit if people give me credit for it, but I did. Uh, and because we were building up to it. And then sure enough, it lived up to it. I oh, mean, yeah. holy shit. Yeah, and then some. And uh, you just, to, to have a college, it's so different. You know, the Stanley Cup playoffs in 2019 were so great because every other night, 26 games, you're on the edge of your seat. Right. Every other night. College football is different. I think the Stanley Cup playoff thing would be better, but I, but it's, it's just so different. It's tough to compare it because in between a win, you can kind of, yeah, and then dream. Yes. You can both dream. Irresponsibly. And you can also come back to earth a little. Well, and then is, is Gabe, and I feel like he's so right with this, things are never as good as they seem, and right now they are not as good. Like Missouri fans like, how oh, are not in the top 25? How are only six and a half point favorites on Memphis? I mean, yeah. it took a 61-yard field goal. Right. I mean, that that's not, that wasn't a 40-point win. No. It took a 61-yard field goal, and, you know, Memphis is not like South Dakota. Mm-mm. And things are never as bad as they are, as bad as people felt following the Middle Tennessee game. So that's the case right now. I'd imagine they're despondent in Tuscaloosa. And I could still see Alabama going on and losing one game this entire season, as weird as that sounds, yeah. which sounds ridiculous right now. But that's where gamblers get their edge, is they recognize where players or teams are overvalued based on prisoner of the moment. So with all of that said, uh, you probably had that happen this past weekend in Columbia. Missouri fans were super down on the team after the Middle Tennessee thing. To Drinkwitz and his offensive play calling staff's credit, in my opinion, they sat on their playbook for the first two weeks. They opened it up right away for K-State. Brady Cook, to his credit, and to Luther Burden's credit in particular, uh, they executed it. Uh, and gamblers, not Las Vegas, gamblers move the lines. Gamblers recognize that, and that's why that game kicked off at 3, even though the spread got up to K-State minus 5.5. By the time kickoff came along, it was down to 3. I just love the idea of being able to dream. And that is why if they were to lose to Memphis or Vanderbilt, it'd be so crushing because what have, I mean, for God, I feel like for months I've been saying, Brian Kelly coming to Columbia, oh yeah, ideally LSU undefeated, Missouri undefeated, and you have this, right. you know, 2.30 or 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock kickoff, and it gets people to Columbia for a huge game, and then two weeks later, ideally another one, and then three weeks later, I guess it would be, another one with with Tennessee and Florida and then it becomes that's how people become real. fans yeah. that's how people become fans if you're playing for something and, and as Colin laid out in his email they haven't been playing for shit right. like you talk about the 2018 Kentucky game and I remember it mainly because Gangster Pete was at the house along with Iggy and the Plowhawk and Doug but I you know, did I care I guess I didn't have money on it they weren't playing for anything yeah I don't give a fuck, and, and clearly the, the programs don't either anymore uh, on these bowl games. I don't care. I don't care. I mean, I know, I know that irritates some fans, but it just doesn't matter. If you play for championships, and that's the thing that I go back to on the expectations thing, why not Missouri? I just don't understand it. And that's, some, that's another thing that Gabe and I disagree on. Again, it's Gabe's like one of my favorite people. 
Uh, and, and I realize you can like, well, look at the budget. Missouri's budget's 13th out of 14 schools in the SEC. And, and I get that's where it is now. But if you would have said Georgia is going to be the premier program in 2007 when Missouri was doing what it was doing in 2007 and 2008 in part of 2010, people would have said, what? I mean, Georgia hasn't been relevant for like, you know, these things can be cyclical and Mm -hmm. then new teams can enter the conversation. So that's why I say, why not Missouri? And when you're the only SEC school in the state with two major metropolitan areas, why not Missouri? And that is why I'm like, oh, it was a good year. They won seven games. I'm like, what the fuck? You're handed three wins right out of the gate with these schedules. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anyway, all right, I've gone off on a tangent. We're going to do a short one. You have not had a chance to talk. The floor is yours. I yield to my gentleman from uh, Olivet. Yeah, I think he's spot on. Just the idea of hope coming out of September, because there is something real to that. Just the idea of having a chance. I mean, and I was at the Georgia game last year, and that's a team that had already, like you laid out, I think two losses up to that point already with Auburn and K-State. Mm-hmm. So the chances of making a real run at things were looking very bleak. Obviously, Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia last year were all very dominant at that time. But even with the chance to take down the number one team in the country, you could feel the energy in the stadium. These people were chomping at the bit for something to celebrate. And I think that was yeah. vindicated by what we saw once that field goal went through on Saturday because he's absolutely right. It looked like just pure euphoria out there. The sounds of the crowd, man, it really sounded like it. And I totally believe it because I know firsthand that this fan base is chopping at the bit for something to celebrate, something to look forward to, something to cheer for. And so having this opportunity, that was absolutely right on. That was a pivot point game. You needed that one. And now you just got to go take care of business in the next two. And then the energy, if they are 5-0 and heading into LSU. And ideally, 2.30 or night game. Ideally 2.30 or 6 o'clock. The energy at Faroe Field will be like something we haven't seen in over a decade. Maybe even longer than that. Uh, yeah, probably 2013 or 2014. 2013, yeah. But yeah. But even like – and the yeah, last game also, so many fans after the Middle Tennessee State game, as someone who went to that game, were like like – stomach hurt like because you're like damn it like this offense we have luther burden who's this obvious stud and we're gonna waste another year with him mm-hmm. but that game against k-state where it opened up the playbook got to see luther with the ball in his hands more and more scoring opportunities it was like not only is this a good team from what we just saw but it's exciting and fun to watch and that's something we haven't had in a long long time no. so you combine all these things if you're able to take care of the next two weeks 
then you're going to start to see it. And then the proof is in the pudding of like what you just said, win. And then you beat LSU. Now things are completely like, now it's on you. And that's how you get people to be fans. Obviously playing in St. Louis is cool, but it's not good. You can't make people buy tickets. You can't make people drive to Columbia. You got to do it organically. Yeah. And something like this is the perfect opportunity. Yeah, you take care of business and that's not chicken and egg. You win and, and you can say, well, that means they're fair with their fans. Fine, call them whatever you want. That's right. business. Right. Asses it, are on the seats. It, it, that's that's the way that it works. I don't get it. I, you know, I don't want, uh, as weird I as this sounds, lemming behavior where people right. just blindly follow something. The gatekeeping is so strange yeah. to me. Like, man. oh, you don't, Huck, you were, you're tweeting this, you're not at the game? Right. I mean, hey, that's. Like, I know I'm crazy when I I'll watch. I'll tell you, I have a six-year-old and a one-year-old. You think, yeah, sorry, I'm heading out. I'll, I'll be back, you know, at midnight, or I'll be back, you know, tomorrow, right. or I'm, you know, heading out on Friday. So it's not the way the world works, right. you know? So you win, and then they go, okay, hey, we need uh, somebody to watch the, the kids because we got to go to this game. Changes you know, things we, up. That's the thing. And it's LSU, and it's a CBS game at 2.30, or it's an ESPN game on Saturday night, you know? That's... Right. It's an event you want to be at. That is what brings people to it. You're going to have plenty of people who are going, I don't really fucking care, but holy shit, how about this atmosphere? I mean, yeah. John McGaffey ran that ball bag against Oklahoma. That thing was shaking in 2010. That's the kind of atmosphere you want. And that was October. You weren't playing for the Big 12 at that point. You weren't playing for the SEC East like they were in 2013 or 2014. That was an October game. Uh, and that's how people were fired up. You had college game day there. That's what's possible. Mm -hmm. It's possible. That was 2010, a year that they weren't a win away for the national championship. So I just, listen, it's, it's, it's unfortunate in a way because I understand those who are non-Missouri fans go, why are you guys fucking talking about this? They're not that good, and you're only doing it because you went to school there. And I understand that. I don't blame people for saying it. I just know that I was a Missouri fan well before I went to school there. I didn't think, I don't think... Looking back on it, I was thinking I was going to school there. I just viewed it as, oh, Missouri's a one of St. Louis's teams. Not to say they're not Kansas City's team. It's just something on the St. Louis sports scene. Um, and I'm in Missouri, as narrow-minded <laughs> yeah. as that may, may sound uh, as a kid, but that's what I was thinking. And then on for Missouri fans, for some... It's like, well, you've got to support the team no matter what. You have responsibility to do that because you went. And I'm like, well, I don't have. That's not my job as a as a host of shows. That's right. not my job. Uh, my job is to tell you what I think, and that doesn't mean that I'm right. But my obligation is to tell you what I think, and and from my standpoint, this is how you get this thing going, and that is why that is so critical. Now, it does not mean they are a great team. No. But you can tell yourself that that possibility is there because that was the game that was circled when the schedule came out. You're going to beat South Dakota. You're going to beat Middle Tennessee State. You're probably going to beat Memphis, but it's not a guarantee. And you're probably going to beat Vanderbilt, but it's not a guarantee. K-State's a coin flip or you're a 55-45 favorite or a 45-55 underdog. Whatever it is, if you can get that one and you can somehow get the other four, you're 5-0, and oh, and now you've got a brand name. It's, that's the other thing. It's not South Carolina. It's not Mississippi State. It's not even Ole Miss. Um, it is one of the SEC's premier brand names coming to town with the team in a spot to be undefeated. And those are the kinds of things. Like if in 2010, when you had game day there, does that mean as much if the number one team in the country at that time was in the Big 12, Texas Tech? No. You see what I'm saying? No. 
that th- these are all these little pieces that can come together. When Missouri played KU in Arrowhead and had that incredible win in 2007, would it have meant as much if KU was having a good season, but they had one or two losses? No, no. they were undefeated. It was the stars align, and then all of a sudden from that, a program can be born. And that's the thing that I keep hammering on. And I just, I think it's a miss. I, it's, you know, from a business standpoint, I like to talk about buying and selling. God almighty, I'd buy up Missouri stock, not because they beat K-State and I'm caught up in the moment at all, just because it strikes me as such an obvious opportunity. And they are in the premier conference in a system now that really is left to two premier right. conferences. And they're the only, you know, power five school in a state with two major metropolitan areas. And one of the metropolitan areas doesn't have an NFL team. So it just strikes me as obvious that it's that it's a matter of when, not if. Um, but hell, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. I thought Colin did a wonderful job. Agreed. Is, uh, is, is many words as he spent, but I didn't think that they were wasted in, in, in summarizing why that meant as much as it did. And also not just sitting there going, everything's fucking great. Yeah, that was, there is no doubt in my mind that if Missouri loses that game in overtime, which was, if Mevis doesn't make that kick 50%, maybe it's a greater chance they lose it. Hell, I don't know. That that Eli Drinkwitz is getting roasted nationally and in Kansas City and St. Louis and in Columbia, they're talking about, holy shit, you know, yeah. let's start talking about who's going to replace Eli Drinkwitz. I would have said that was wrong because I thought the team clearly was prepared. The team clearly was improved. The offense clearly was sitting, in my opinion, sitting on a playbook the first couple of games. When Drinkwitz was asked about that, he goes, you have to judge for yourself. This is chess, not checkers, you know, whatever. Uh, it certainly implies that it was, even though over the previous week he said it wasn't. But I get it. You know, what, what's the upside in, right. in saying what the game plan is uh, publicly beforehand? So. It's exciting, and here you are, and after three weeks, you can sit there and tell yourself, as a college football fan or as a Missouri fan, maybe they got a chance. And yes, unlike, I don't know what year you could compare this to, Jackson, maybe you do have to go back to 2013 or 2014. You go, shit. And this isn't just about the SEC East, because I don't know. I mean, I thought, if anything, Georgia kind of, once they were down 14-3, to there's Spencer Rattler in, in South Carolina, and I was watching that game after the Missouri game. They're just kind of, okay, we, we kind of fucked around here. Right. And then South fair. Carolina just was like, they just like held them up and just choked them in the second half. Go, okay, you know, this isn't going to be happening today, but wasn't that fun for the first 30 minutes for you? Yeah. And just imposed their will. I don't know if another team has that ability. Florida State may be great. Texas may be great. Uh, Michigan may be great. Penn State may be great. Ohio State may be great. Somebody we might not be talking about yet in the Pac-12, USC, USC Oregon. Yeah. Who knows? There's a bunch of them out there. Colorado, 21-point dogs this week in Eugene. I don't know. I don't know if anybody else can do what Georgia did to South Carolina. So I'm not riding off Georgia's because they have a tight game against South Carolina. But other than Georgia in the SEC this year, you know what I mean? Curious to see what Alabama looks like with the new quarterback. I'm curious to see what Alabama does as far as game planning going forward because they might need to revert to like 2010 Alabama where they're going, oh, let's just win 6-3. to Run the rock. Right. You know what I mean? I'm anxious to see that uh, going forward. But Bazooka Joe and Tennessee have looked vulnerable. Yeah. Kentucky's looked vulnerable. They looked vulnerable before the game in the swamp. Obviously, Florida lost to Utah. Florida's... Where they looked bad. and, uh, And LSU had its thing with Florida State. Maybe Ole Miss is a sneaker. I don't know. Ole Miss, Ole Miss will get their chance against LSU the week before 
uh, LSU comes to Columbia, Missouri. So, you know, you need things like this to kind of happen to 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 give birth to a star and to a program, and that's what can wind up happening here. And you have a star in Luther Burden. You have a hell of a story potentially in Brady Cook. I did not see that coming from him. I didn't think no. that that was there from him. Neither did I. So I am thrilled for him. And uh, it fires me up. I love having it. You know, I, I love having it. It's my holy grail is Missouri College football. And uh, I recognize that I'm in the minority. But for the purpose of this uh, conversation, it was a wonderful email by Colin. All right, we're going to do it. That's going to wrap it up because Jackson's going to go ball strike. I'm going to try to. We'll see. Hoping to. I think you're going to shoot 78 today. Ooh. Not happening? Yeah, you know, it depends on the course. Okay, fair enough. To Far Oaks. Are you going to Far Oaks? That's where you're going? If, if, if it is And there. that's Sweet Sweet Kai, her, <laughs> no. and Private Citizen Pete. No, only one of those guys plays golf. Um, no, if it is at Far Oaks, my chances go much higher on shooting in the 70s. All right. Well, Godspeed okay. to you. Thank you. Thank you to our sponsors, Ryan Kelly, James Carlton, Mike uh, Marcana. He sometimes calls himself Mike. Yeah. Just for fun. He just does that as fun. Well, he's such a great communicator. He is. Uh, James Carlton, Seth Goldcamp, and Jamie Burkhardt. Clayton Patterson and Peter Munganest to Munganest St. Louis. Acura and Alton Toyota for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been QFTA on the Tim McKernan Show. <laughs>